Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, for many of us, we have to decide the path we take in our professional lives soon after we leave school. But for professional sports people, that fork in the, in the road can come much later. So to talk about some of the challenges about finding your way after leaving uh, the world of professional sport, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Marcus Horan, a former uh, Munster and Irish rugby player. Also joining us is Cleena Foley, a freelance sports writer and presenter of the Women's Sport uh, Podcast. Marcus, I might start with you. Um, again, you're a, you're an old friend of the show. We love uh, when you give us uh, the commentary on the rugby. We might ask you about that at the end of today's programme. But tell us, if you would, about when you started thinking about life off the pitch. Um, because I'd, I'd imagine when you're playing well and you're, you know, you're getting caps and it's all going great that one doesn't almost like to think about the next 10 years. Yeah, true, Bobby. It's um, it's something I suppose that was was always on my radar in some way. I was always involved with Rugby Players Ireland. Um, I was chairman for a few years while I was a player. I was a player rep for Munster. Um, so I was always kind of guiding guys towards uh, Rugby Players Ireland and trying to encourage them to think about it. But unfortunately, I suppose I was so busy doing that, I didn't see that, that junction coming in the road for me. And it was, um, yeah, it kind of... I suppose the, my last year was 2013 and, and uh, there was a new coach in town and I was trying to impress and I was really focused on doing a good uh, pre-season and it really just crept up on me and, yeah. and kind of unprepared really um, and not not having a plan in place I think was 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 the toughest thing for me and, um, and really down to myself, you know, it was really down to not being proactive enough. There was... Uh, the beginning of our player development program with Rugby Players Ireland there, and uh, I probably didn't utilise it enough and explore options before that. So, um, in some ways, it was it was it was uh, the excitement of the game I was playing and and the success we were having at the time. You just don't seem to take your eyes off that, and you're, you're, you're yeah. That, that's one of the big challenges, is it not? That you know the the player mentality is to live in today, to, in, to live in the present, to focus on the match next week, maybe the yeah. match next month, but not much beyond that. Yeah, you're right. And to be honest, Bobby, there was also probably a culture within us that if you weren't focused on that match next week, like if guys were doing something on their day off that was detracting from, from the game, that sometimes um, that wasn't, uh, I suppose the culture was that that wasn't the right thing to be doing, where in fact now there's studies showing that guys that are actively pursuing stuff, they actually perform better. You know, there's actually there's actually studies out there showing that people who are actively working on their career after rugby, they, they stay in the game longer and they're selected more often when they're fit. So there's amazing... Uh, you know, it's an amazing turnaround from maybe ten years ago, and I think that's really important to get across to sports people who are who are still in there. You know. Yeah, good point. Uh, let's talk to Cleena Foley. She's a freelance sports writer and presenter of the Women's Sports uh, Podcast. Cleena, good morning to you. How are you? Yeah. Are you there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Good to hear you. And good now to hear you, you were a PE teacher before you got involved in sports journalism. Tell us a little bit about about your journey, if you would. Well, um, yeah, I, I studied PE uh, down in, in Limerick. Marcus would know it well when it was Thoman College, and, and now, of course, it's the University of Limerick. Um, yeah, and I, I went, I, I was interested in working in sports, but I 
thought, well, if I start out teaching and I want to switch to sports journalism, that might be the way to go rather than the other way around. So I taught for about seven years um, and kind of made the money to go back to college and then went back and did a postgrad in journalism, yeah. And were you able to work as a PE teacher and sort of dabble in journalism? No. You weren't, so it was a... No, not at all. I don't think you can do it as a writer. I, it, it, it's done in broadcasting. Marcus would know that. Like, there are a lot of people work in broadcasting, um, particularly in regional broadcasting and even with TG Caron people who do one job and then maybe do commentary or co-commentary or analysis at the weekend. That's possible. But as a sports writer, really, you, you can't do that. You've got yeah. to be working. In my opinion, you've got to be working full-time. It's why I gave up. And also, I feel... One job, one job is enough for one person. So yeah. if you're going to de- dedicate yourself to it, to do it that way, yeah. But what I think is interesting is, is what he was talking about. Um, you know, the notion of preparing for your life after sport. You know, if you're a professional sports person, as Marcus was, that is an area of difficulty, and it's a really, really interesting area for Olympic athletes because. Contrary to team sports, uh, they don't make the same kind of money, really, most of them at all. And they ha- a lot of them are, are actually training for the Olympics sometimes while, um, yeah. while working full-time at something else or trying to go to college or something else. Somebody like Paula Donovan, for example, you know, Olympic champion, world champion multiple times as a rower, um, has a physiotherapy degree and is currently studying to be a doctor. Yeah, no, you're right. It's 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 a it's a sort of a different landscape. And uh, you spoke about uh, the Olympics there, Cleona. Well, an Olympian has just walked into the studio. He's a fellow Kilkenny man, and his name is Mick Dowling. How are you, Mick? Great to see you. I'm fine, thank you very much. Thanks for coming in. Can I ask you, Mick? And maybe it's a long time ago, but do you remember ever thinking about life outside the ring when you were boxing? Well, when I was boxing, I was working for a long time in the Gresham Hotel. And, silver uh, service waiter, is that a- right? Absolutely, silver service waiter. And I, I, I graduated to the hotel from, would you believe, the coal mine in Castlecomer. Yeah. So it was from one extreme to another, from being filthy, dirty and black as a coal miner would be, to coming to the Gresham where you had to be clean, spotless, and you're, you're examined before you went up on duty. And in those days, Mick, was it sort of a given that you had employment outside the sport that the sport was never going to be the revenue earner oh, uh, absolutely not not for me it was it was a job I, I had a job yeah. it was a nice job I was able to make a good salary and uh, you know you were fairly well respected but um, sport uh, hurling as you can well imagine was my first love yeah. down, in, down in Castlecomer in Kilkenny I uh, graduated on to doing an awful lot of athletics, uh, you know, at, at, at a good high level. Um, and my claim to fame, by the way, in hurling is, and I brag about this, I have two county championship medals. And you should be and, very proud uh, of that. And I am proud of that. And I often say I would, I, I, I treasure those perhaps nearly more than some of my national boxing titles. Yeah. So then, as your boxing career developed, you went to the Olympics, you had huge success, very few people remember you ever being beaten. So what was your transition out of boxing and into business, say, or into other things? Well, having worked in the Gresham Hotel, um, I went to the Olympics, I was then out of work for some time, and a, a good friend down in Carlo, Seamus Hughes, uh, from a company called Zero Ireland, rang me, said, Mick, would you come down and see me? I have a job here I'd like to offer you. Went down, got the job, and was very, very happy working with this um, farm equipment company. Bulk milk tanks is what they were. He gave me a job, and I was very happy and pleased with that, and um, I continued on my my career, you know? Yeah. But... Um, 
Yeah, it, eventually I thought, well, look, perhaps getting into the, the sports business is the thing to do. Yeah. And um, got a little opportunity along with my two brothers of opening a small uh, sports shop in Terenure. Yeah. And that's about 40, 45 years ago. And thank God to this day, it's still there. Isn't that and, great? And good. It's, yeah. yeah, it's only a small sports shop, but we specialise, as you can well imagine, we specialise in boxing equipment. But it's the kind of shop you can walk into and you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. You get from shin guards to gum shields to... You name it, you'll you'll get it there. And Mick, can I ask you, did you find that, uh, you know, working in the shop with your brothers and all that, did you find that challenging or did you enjoy it just as much as you enjoyed your boxing no, career? I, no, I absolutely enjoyed it. I mean, even in the shop to today, and I was there before I came in here this morning, you're there and you're meeting fellow sports people, you know, yeah. some of them good, good class uh, sports people, others just, uh, you know, just youngsters getting into it and I love meeting them and I love encouraging them as well and of course you know I have uh, my boxing club which is Man Talent Amateur Boxing Club and I give back to the sport that gave me so much Yeah and, and how generous of you Marcus back to you um, can you tell us what the IRFU are doing I suppose to, to prepare what sort of practices are happening now that prepare young lads for post rugby because you, you're you're at the cold face there. I'd be interested in some of the initiatives that are at play to help players make the transition. Yeah, well, so the 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 players um, the players association is Rugby Players Ireland, and uh, I suppose we were set up to to look after the players around contracts. But I suppose in the last number of years, we have developed um, a player development ma- um, program for for the players, and I suppose we we, we kind of span it over. Um, their whole career and we actually we look after our ex-players as well we kind of any player it's a member they're a member for life but it's really about around the transitions and it's just here interesting to hear Mick talking about it because there's so many different transitions for for athletes I mean when we get young players coming out of school and into the academy system that's one transition I suppose when they when they start developing and get development contracts or senior contracts, it's another transition. They're probably earning a little bit more money. And then along the way, there's all different ones from injuries or, or being let go and, and, and being uh, deselected. But then obviously the big transition is coming out of the game and, and we try and educate them really about that. Um, and our biggest asset, I suppose, is our ex-players who tell their own stories about about transitioning out of the game. Um, so that's really, really important. Yeah. But but we, we, we cover five pillars of, of work with guys. We talk about their careers. You know, we try and get them, encourage them to explore options while they're still playing, whether it's going out getting experience or, you know, some guys are st- have started their own businesses while they're still playing. So something that, Bobby, I'm sure you'd be very interested in. But there's there's lots of there's lots of good guys there with great ideas. There's some guys that have a plan, you know, there's some that don't. And we have to yeah. try and see where the red flags are with, with certain individuals and try and encourage them to, to use their time wisely, yeah. their downtime wisely during the week um, to, to get further down the road of where they want to be. And uh, look, the big thing I think is around identity. You know, we, you know, you talk, Mick, Mick uh, kind of talked about it there about being remembered as a boxer. I love hearing him talking about his hurling because there's so much more to an athlete. Yeah. Um, you know, there's you, so you, much more to them than just their sport. And I think that's really important, you, not just for others to understand, yeah. but the player themselves to understand that. And if, if your identity is wrapped up in one thing, it's always makes it more challenging. I, I totally get that point. Kleena, can I ask you your view on maybe if you look at maybe some of the young soccer players 
uh, in the UK being paid extortionate amounts of money every week and then it all stops. Uh, is it not? Yeah. That's got to be a very challenging place for some of those young lads that just have basically they have too much money at a young age and then it, it stops fairly, fairly acutely or suddenly for them. Well, and Mark has mentioned it there. The, the big, one of the biggest challenges, I think, in professional sport is when you get laid off or when your contract ends or you don't get, you don't get it renewed. Um, and if you haven't got the education then to back that up, you know, and have an alternative and have a plan B in any sport, that's a problem. And, and obviously huge sports like in the Premiership or English soccer, you know, it does take, it takes in an awful lot of people, but it spits out an, an, an awful lot of people as well. Now, all the academies are meant to do education work and you know all the players are meant to do courses and you hear, hear this all the time <clears throat> how, how good they are and how much they push their, their young athletes when they're at that level that's you know that's a questionable thing I think every club has to be answerable for that but you do hear stories of players saying well you know we're, we did education but you know I didn't really take it yeah. seriously and that's the big challenge it's interesting um, within the Olympic like to hear Mick talk about what it was like for a boxer an Olympic boxer at that time now obviously there's a high performance unit out in the Sports Institute out in Abbottstown the boxers are all based there that's where they train full time but also that institute of sport for all Olympians has a system whereby they have staff online to help them with life skills and plan for their future and all of that career planning is built into it even if they are full-time training or part-time training their work Sport Ireland does it and in the GAA actually um, the GPA which would be similar to the Rugby Players Union um, the, the Gaelic Players they started a thing a couple of years ago I think around 2015 a thing called the Jim Madden Madden Leadership Programme sponsored by a family in Tipperary and they do a leadership programme every year with 26 inter-county players a mix of uh, men and women and if you talk to them you, you know they will tell you that has been a massive asset for them in terms of career planning because you know they're training so hard as amateur players they're not getting paid for it a lot of intercounty players now we know are students, and so planning for their future yeah. and trying to work it into G, working into the amount of, of dedication they're given to GA, that's all part of it as well. So that that future planning and that career planning is a massive thing, and it's better I think now in a lot of sports than it yeah. was in the past. Yeah, that's that's great, Leanna. Mick, would you agree with that? Even if you look at boxers, are we better at looking after them now? in and outside the ring than than in your time it looks it sounds like you had to fend for yourself I I, I absolutely I smile now when I see you know the boxes are getting grants and huge grants and decent grants and and rightly so and it's it's a good number of years back now that I went on radio TV and I said that uh, you know we were bemoaning the fact that we weren't winning medals at European championships and Olympic games and I said look unless we start paying our top athletes and looking after them we will always be moaning about not winning medals and uh, people laughed at me oh you can't pay them oh how could you how could you afford to pay them yes I got nothing out of it but I I, you know I, I saw the need to support uh, our athletes and I'm delighted now that that is the situation uh, because if you're trying to compete at the top level internationally you have to be financially yeah. secure yourself and also the sports person doesn't really want to be distracted by the financial you know if the if you're worrying about getting paid every week well, it's 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 probably likely to affect your performance in I, the ring i often tell the i often tell the, the the story about when i was going to the olympic games there was a great photograph of me getting a, a 100 
pounds it was check from Michael Mullen the ITGWU transport union that is a check for 100 euro and a beautiful big picture of him making this presentation to Mick Dowling before he departed for the Mexico Olympic Games before I departed uh, the phone rang it was Colonel Jim Devine who was the secretary uh, uh, of the IABA or president perhaps and he said, Mick, he said, uh, I saw that lovely photograph on the paper, he said, getting the 100 euro, but he, the 100 pounds. But he said, you cannot go on the airplane unless you give that back. You cannot travel to Mexico because otherwise you would be deemed to be a professional. No way. I'm uh, unbelievable. Wow. 100 pounds. So Mick Dowling had to give uh, back. <laughs> the, I mean, it's laughable. I, I took time out of work. I went away to the Olympic Games and I came back and... Um, I've shortened my wages. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Unbelievable. Unbelievable short of three weeks' wages. Marcus, uh, (laughs) did you ever have to give back a hundred (laughs) euro? Yeah, for different reasons. I envy you, Marcus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But look, just on that point, I think uh, I think sport has come a long way. I mean, yeah. like I suppose the guys are talking about amateur player, uh, amateur sports people in Ireland. I suppose from a rugby point of view, being professional, it's very new to us. And I think we we have to understand, and it's it's pretty apt that we're on your show, Bobby. That. You know, sport is big business now in Ireland, and we've been slow to maybe realise that and, yeah. and understand how much it does for the economy. You know, even even the match the other night in Cork, what a huge moment for for Cork people and businesses in Cork to have a game like that down yeah. there. So, you know, we we have to understand that that is big business, and we're, we're you know it brings a lot of money to, into the country. And I think a lot of people love Irish fans, and and we're we're really good when we're abroad. So we need to capitalise on that as best we can, but not to the detriment of our athletes. And I think we you know when the money is in the game, in the games like this, you can you can afford, and there is money there to look after the players and yeah. to put put it behind. Uh, the performance side of things, but also behind um, their off-field development. And I think that's really, really important because what we want then, and I'm seeing it here even with Munster, is when guys retire, uh, we want to keep them in the regions. We want to keep people around Limerick so they can coach the young players, um, encourage young rugby here to to, to flourish, that they don't have to go to Dublin for work, they don't have to go abroad for work. you know, oh, absolutely. People here, and that's really, really important, I think. You know? and, and last word to you, Cleena, um, just on the basis of what Marcus is saying there, that really there's so much money, I suppose, I won't say sloshing around, but there's lots of money in sport. <laughs> uh, but that that money, some of it certainly should be channeled to development and to looking after the people that give us so much pleasure. Yeah, and uh, and I think um, I think companies that are involved in sport now um, have have come to understand that it's interesting. Sky um, have sponsored the and the women's the Irish women's soccer team has a sponsor, and the men's team doesn't at the moment, which is an interesting thing. But Sky part of that Sky sponsorship for the women's team is that they are providing scholarships um, to twenty five euro thousand uh, euro every year, and I think they've five of them selected this year. I was part of the judging panel, and that was specifically about helping them with their off-field life, their career planning, their education. Some of them are in college and they're trying to get money to do masters or whatever, just to okay. create their career paths for them. So sponsors, I think, are also now, finally, which is a good, a good idea, actually looking at that side of it and saying, we're not just going to hand the money over, but we'd also like to, so, to invest it in the athletes themselves. Excellent. They recognise that careers are short. You know, an injury can end a career. In a, and even if you have a successful sports career, 
you know, it's going to be over way shorter than a career outside of sport. Okay. So future planning is massive. All right. Well, look, it's been a great discussion and a very enjoyable one, I'd have to say. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests, Mick Dowling, former Olympic boxer, Marcus Horn, uh, former rugby player, and Cleena Foley, uh, freelance sports writer and presenter of the sports, the women's sportcast. Just very finally, Marcus, today against Fiji, I can't have you on the air and not ask you. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's uh, look, it's great. After the the bounce of last week, it's just incredible. Uh, Irish rugby's on a high, so look, it, it becomes a different proposition against the Fiji team. They're very physical. They like to throw the ball around, and we've a, a probably a younger team going out. Um, but I'm excited to see some young guys playing. But also excited to see Joy Carberry getting a run at ten. And you know, I think this is all about development for for the future. And um, you know, hopefully we get a good performance today. But uh, you know, it should be, it should be a win for Ireland. But uh, I think the key thing is performances in key positions. Um, uh, notably, out half I think is a big one. And uh, well, you know, onwards right. and upwards. Well, we re- the monster tales are up, and we'll be watching with interest. Again, thanks to all my guests. Down to business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at eleven on News Talk.